and the cattle of Egypt. God is a separator. He will even separate the cattle so that the cattle of Egypt belongs to Egypt and the cattle of Israel belongs to Israel. And they shall, then there shall nothing die of all that is the child that is that is the children of Israel. <coughs> Folks, the same promises that were for Israel are the same promises that are for the bride. And if it was the case with Israel that none of their things would die. I believe this morning we are within the scriptural right to say nothing of our own shall die. God will separate our jobs from their jobs. Will separate our faith from their faith. Will separate our health from their health while we live in the same area. Because why? He has remembered that he's got children. And my message this morning, Pharaoh, let my people go. Let my people—it's a directive. They—they they, they should not be anything that holds back a child of God. And I hope by the end of the service, those that are not saying amen to that will say amen to that. Maybe it's, even Pharaoh must not hold you from saying amen. Hallelujah. Uh, you see, Pharaoh is the, we're not really speaking only about the Asian Pharaoh. There is a Pharaoh of our time. And everyone has got their own Pharaoh. As you bow, his gracious Heavenly Father, what a lovely atmosphere to walk into this morning, into the sanctuary. Just to know that there is a God that we serve. Our God is no lesser God. He is the greatest among all the gods. We say that because we understand. He created everything. He is the only one that is deemed to be the self-existing one. There are gods that depend on wood for them to be God. There are gods that depend on the sunrise for them to be God. But there is a God that does not depend on anything. He is God in his own right. From eternity to eternity, created the universe. And I'm glad to worship that God. Dear God, I remember this 11-year-old boy. How I used to read and love the book of Exodus. And how I read and saw great things that were happening in that book. In my little heart, I asked myself, had I lived during that time, was I going to be given an opportunity to serve the God of the Hebrews? Not knowing that in the end time, there is a man that you have sent, who's got the same ministry as Moses' ministry. Not knowing that there is another exodus. And dear God, because there was a design in that little boy, you made it possible for the prophet to cross my path. That's why this prophet means so much to me, more than anything else. Because it is through this prophet that I know how to worship God in the way he expects to be worshipped. It is through this prophet that I know I can be victorious. It is through this prophet that I know that in the end time, you have come back to your people 
to reconcile them. Dear God, we appreciate you this morning. If there is somebody that is sick in the building, I'm sending a prayer in their corner. May you be gracious and heal them, dear God. If there is somebody that is sick that may not be in the premises, wherever they are, we send a prayer their way. Because, dear God, we understand who we are. And from our position, we know the authority can be derived. And we're able to make certain decrees. And one decree that I need to make up front before I get into my sermon, Satan, you are alive. And is there no chance this morning? We have an answer for every tactic that you may want to employ. And the Lord, at the end of the service, may your people be liberated. I don't want it just to be a formality or a Sunday service. This is going to be a life-changing service where people see themselves better, where their relationship with you gets deeper, where they come closer to you. If there is a repentance, there has to be repentance. If there is a healing, let there be a healing. Whatever is needed in the building, make it possible, dear God. If there is a restoration that is needed, may you restore. And I know that there is nothing that is beyond you. You said things that are impossible with me, but with God are possible. Dear God, we are worshiping a living God. This morning we want to lift you out of history and make you a present tense God so that we can look at the devil and say you are a liar. Here is our God. This is what he's doing. This is what he's done. This is what he's going to do. I appreciate you this morning, dear God. I say, Satan, get by the wayside. We have no time for you. We have no time for your gimmicks. We bind you in the name of Jesus Christ. And we've got the authority to do that. It's not just a bluff. We bind you. Because the scripture says, whatever we find here shall be bound in heaven. And this morning we are finding every demon. We are finding every situation. We are finding every condition. Dear God, we've got the authority this morning. And I say, Satan, you are a liar. May there be healing in the fruit. May there be liberation this morning, dear God. As they came, may they not live in the same manner. There's got to be a change, dear God. Commit everything to you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you. Cosmos.
Can you pay this The mother has done Now, so when I was there, I was thinking she was still very, very young. And it just don't, don't on me that sometimes you may think we have time, but actually we may not have time. I wonder if, if when the World Cup was around, because that is what created euphoria in the country in recent times, I'm just asking you, had you mentioned to her that you've got only eight years to live, how would she have lived her life? So we never know when our cut may be cold, but it may be cold any time. Death is very democratic. It picks up an elderly person, a young person. It picks up a married person, a married person. Picks up a man, it picks up a woman. Picks up a black man, white man. No one can escape. And I believe that this morning the reason we are here is that when we are in that coffin one day, there should be an assurance that there is a land across the river. Hallelujah. Uh, we've got to remind you that you are just passing through. And one day you'll just be released into dust. Uh, that's why if one would be proud while you are still in this body, it amazes me how can the dust be so proud. In no time something can happen and you are gone. Amen. You know that the worms, the maggots that are going to uh, die by our body, they are already in your body. It's not going to be a foreign worm. It is your worm that is going to destroy you. Amen. I am glad that there is a part of man that is indestructible. That's what we call soul. Young ones, hear me out. You may have plans. It's great. You have plans to look forward. But the greatest treasure that you can really get in life, get close to God. Get close to God. Make sure that you are alive at all times. Make sure that you are prayed up. All the time. Amen. Amen. But I'm not on that. As I said, I'm going to speak on prayer. Let my people go. Now, from the scripture that we just read here, we know that God said to Abraham, when he spoke to Abraham, he said, your city, your seat, shall sojourn in a foreign land for 400 years. And we know that they did not live on the 400th year. They left on the 430th year. Doesn't mean that God is a liar. Sometimes God will grant you a period of grace. Hallelujah. So they, they, they went to Egypt. Can you imagine 400 years? It's about if a generation takes... 
40 years, it was run about 10 generations that were there in Egypt. Yeah. For 400 years. Are we together? Now, when they were there, it was wonderful when Joseph was around. Oh, brother Nelson just walked in. God bless you, brother. We are telling the condition, return back to the sun. We believe we've got power to do Amen. Now, ten generations in Egypt, and they had a Joseph, they had Joseph, they had Pharaoh that knew Joseph. Everything was wonderful. They were treated well, they were treated as equals, but they arose a Pharaoh. Who did not know Joseph? And this Pharaoh that rose that did not know Joseph, he regarded them no longer as equals, but he deemed them to be slaves. Now, remember, folks, 400 years is a long time. But it never changed the fact that these people were God's people. Time and conditions never change the identity of God's people. If you are God's person, it doesn't matter how long it takes, you will always be God's person. Are we together? Now, 400 years, and, and it just reminds me of an eagle and a chicken story. I know you have heard the other version but there's another version that I've heard where a poultry farmer was raising chickens and someone, somebody just came and slipped in an egg into the chicken's nest and then the chicken, obviously the eggs hatched and there was this funny looking uh, chick now well, he, he did not even know that it was different. And we are told that until a naturalist visited the Benyard. And when the naturalist visited the Benyard and he looked, then he saw that that eagle looks a bit different, or that chick looks a bit different. Then he brought it before the attention of the poultry farmer that, listen, I think you've got an eagle among the chicks. Then the farmer said to uh, look, even if it is an eagle, it has been around for far too long that it has lost its eagle meat. It has been it has fed on chicken feet for far too long that even if it was an eagle, there's no way that it will regain its eagle meat. Then the naturalist, we are told, he wanted to prove to uh, the farmer. He actually said, once an eagle, always an eagle. Then he took that uh, uh, chick one day and he put it in the pile, into his pile, and he encouraged it to fly, and it did not fly. Then the farmer said, I told you, it has fed on chicken feed for far too long that it has lost its eagle root and gained its chicken root. 
Then Malaysia Racing did not give up the following day. He put it in the palm of his hand and encouraged it to fly. Then while the, 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 the farmer was very skeptical, the idiot flew off the palm of the farmer and it went away. Then the nationalist looked at the farmer and said, once an eagle, always an eagle. And I think it resonated with us. We were feeling on chicken feet for far too long. Until the general thought we had lost our eagle roots. But once an eagle, always an eagle. When the Malachi 4 message, message came and found you, you took off. Are we together? So, God's people never lose their nature, no matter how far they can go. So, for 400 years, they were in Egypt. And I think when it became difficult, any human being in any difficult condition, you would want to find your own way to escape from that condition. You would maybe think of a scheme or maybe a plot, a plan. And I think they must have had many plans before Moses came as a deliverer. But the Brother Brenham says, what happened today, you had Imram and Jacobet. He says, Imram and Jacobet began to cry. And actually, the only time that God responded to their situation, it's when uh, the Bible says in the same Exodus 2, verse 23, you don't need to check it in your Bible, I'll read it here. And it came to pass in process of time that the king of Egypt died, and the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage. And they cried, and their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage. So what made God to come closer to them? They cried unto God. And God heard their groaning. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God had respect unto them. Are we together? The things happen when people begin to pray. When people begin to pray, prayer brings God in action. When you see God being inactive in your life, it may be that your prayer life is inactive. And activated prayer lives activate God in a believer's life. We get into many problems because we do not pray. Brother Brennan say you can laugh too much. You can walk too much. You can sleep too much. But you can never pray too much. Are we together? And when I'm saying prayer, you need to understand here, when I'm talking about being prayerful, I'm not referring when you are putting your two-piece and with your nice shoes and you come to church. That is not a prayer life. Any devil, even a demon can do that. Hallelujah. And actually, Sunday activity attracts more hypocrites than anything else. I said it. Hallelujah. Are we together? But when you are in your closet and you look at God and you begin to be in business with God, God begins to respond to your situation. Are we together? Look, Brother Branham, I was reading this book and we're teaching on Moses. He says, remember, 
when, when, when there was a time where uh, uh, Pharaoh multiplied to the workload. Yeah. And, and remember, as slaves, the brother Brim said they used to whip them at the back and they would bleed. And Brother Brennan said it was amazing because now you had, uh, you had Imram that would come back from work with scars behind, with wounds actually, not scars, with bleeding behind. And it says immediately after dinner, Brother Brennan said Imram would say to Jacobet, I've got to go upstairs because I need to pray. And uh, Brother Brennan said, Jacobet said, no honey. But you have worked too, so long. Look, you are bleeding. There's wounds on your back. But you know, you can't always be the one praying. Let somebody pray. And Imran said, somebody has got to do it. I cannot dedicate this. The pattern is upon my heart. I'm the one that must go in the upper room and pray because I understand the season in which we find ourselves in. I'm looking for believers that will not dedicate their prayer life. It's not the pastor's responsibility to pray. It's not the deacon's responsibility. It is an individual affair where a man and a woman get down on their knees and they get in business with God. Are we together? But basically, what brings a prayer life? There's got to be a condition of discomfort. As long as they were comfortable, they did not see the need to leave Egypt. Oh, are we together? As long as Joseph was there, and Pharaoh that knew Joseph was there, and as long as everything that they did went their way, they did not see a need to pray. But when the conditions changed, and they got a Pharaoh whose heart was hardened, then the people began to go down on their knees. Are we together? Actually, Pharaoh is not a curse. Pharaoh is a blessing. Hallelujah. Sometimes your nest must be rattled so that you can begin to say, Oh God, where are you? Because it is a tendency of a human being that when everything goes their way, they forget who God is. And they begin to praise their expertise, their experience, their skills. But let me tell you something. The seed, God will take you into situations where your skill will not be able to help you to navigate. Where your experience will not help you. Where your expertise will never help you. Are you here, people? Hallelujah. You may have a medical aid and say, this medical aid, you don't know, it's unlimited. But I can tell you, we can take you into a private hospital until the funds get exhausted. Until you sell the car, you sell the house. So that God can show you that there is nothing that he needs in certain situations. He wants you to bring you down on your knees and you say, God, in this situation, I need you. And when people begin to respond in that manner, God comes down. Are you people? How many have ever been helpless? How many have ever gone through a situation where they felt things are going haywire? Are we together? You get sick until you are sick of being sick. Hallelujah. God wants you to bring you to that condition. Because when you're in that condition, there is no sense of pride. When you're in that condition, there is no sense of what will the people say? When you come to church, you mean business. Tears stream down your chin. You don't care about the neighbor. Because you are in business with God. You say, God, I need you to get out of this situation. Do I have people that know what I'm talking about? Do I have people that have gone through those situations? Uh-uh. Finances are fine, but they can go haywire until, uh, you know, after a bank is a furniture shop, they repossess one by one. 
Hallelujah. But uh, people, I'm not here to scare you. I'm here to tell you that there is a God. Who is a God in every situation? There is no situation that will beat him. This God has got an excellent track record. He has never failed one person even one time. I'll repeat that. He has never failed one person even one time. I said this morning, I'm a witness of that statement. He has never failed me one time. Oh, I expect a better alien than that one. How many people can, if God has failed you, stand up and let us hear your case. But we are here in the presence of God. We are here in the presence of the angels. We are here in the presence of demons. We are here in the presence of unbelievers. To tell them there is a record. Our God has never failed us even one time. And this morning, we are the witness. Are we together? Pharaoh was a bully. Pharaoh was an evil man. Pharaoh was a hardened man. Pharaoh, remember, Pharaoh didn't even care about God. What amazed me is when God gave Moses a commission and said, go down to Pharaoh and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Look what happened today. Moses says, what if the people won't believe me? He doesn't say, what if Pharaoh doesn't believe me? The problem for Moses was not the unbelievers. The problem for Moses was the people that came to know God. People that go to church can explain God away from you than a person that has never gone to church. Are, are you here? Amen. Because they are used to formalities. They even have a prayer to bear with the situation. Brother Bram says, and I'll get into quotations, and this morning I'm actually not even prepared to read. I've got a lot of things on my heart. Amen. 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 Wherever I read, there needs me, but certain I'll quote them. Oh, there are notes here. This someone say he doesn't have notes. <laughs> 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 no oxygen spices. Amen. I put pages, long pages here. Brother Mum say, oh, let me read it so that's just for Mr. Mrs. Skeptics. In the message of Moses, Brother Mum say, the hardest thing that God has ever had to deal with his people is to get one mortar to believe another. This morning, God will not speak to you. Will use me to speak to you. So, the service for a service to be successful, you as a mortar must believe this mortar and believe that there is a God that uses this mortar to speak to that mortar. Are we together? If you are sitting there and you just see the mortality part of it, you are not going to get much out of the service. Are we together? And when we want people to say, and I hope this morning everybody say, God, I've come here so that you can speak to me. Don't speak to my neighbor. Speak to me. As an individual, address my needs. Address my situation. Are we together? And I hope God will address your situation. Now, 
He said, go down Moses to Pharaoh. And, said, and the Lord said unto Moses, go in unto Pharaoh and tell him, thou says the Lord God of the Hebrews, let my people go, that they may serve me. They may worship me. There, there, folks, there is, a, there is a purpose why God brings you out of If you don't know the purpose why God brought you out of one condition, it is long, in, in no time, you will be back in the very condition that you were in. Amen. I will speak on a church level or on a, on a message community level. If we as message believers don't understand the purpose why God brought us out of denominations, in no time we'll go back into denomination. If you as an individual do not understand why God brought you out of sin, in no time you'll be back in sin. Are we together? So when, when God takes you, if God promises you to take you out of a certain condition, the first purpose it must be, why Lord? What is the reason? Why, why do you want me to get out of it? What is the purpose? Anything that you do, you need to understand what is the purpose. Because if the purpose is not known, you will be back where you started. Are you with me? But he said, and, and my question is, if God wanted to be worshipped, couldn't he be worshipped in Egypt? Why is it, bring them out into the wilderness and bring them back to this mountain and when they come to this mountain then they must worship me. Why couldn't they? And here's the question. Were they not, when they not praying in Egypt, were they not saving God in Egypt? Imram and Jacob had prayed all night. Were they not saving God? Why is God saying, bring them out and when they have come out, then they will serve me. What does it mean, folks? It takes a certain realm to serve God. It takes a set you need to tap into, and that is why, and I'm not in no time bringing casting aspersion or degrading the normal Sunday service. No, no, no. Coming to church is important. But it is not more important. What is more important is your personal relationship with God as an individual. Are we together? And folks, let me let me just somewhat deal with the myths around worship. If somebody comes here and they take a song, maybe to the highest note, and you you sit there, you say, "Wow!" and it even makes you raise your hand. You are not worshipping. That's not worship. Even in the tavern, they can take, actually they can even take the note and take it higher than the church people can take it. Are we together? But what, what does it mean to worship? And this morning, me preaching to you is not worship. You listening to me is not worship. Hallelujah. It may be vehicles for worship, but it is not the actual worship. There is a realm that when a believer gets into, Satan cannot follow a believer in that realm. Satan can follow you to church. Satan can sing along with you. But you can break into a certain zone. 
Do I have witnesses here? You can break into a certain zone where, where even you live in song. You live in the church people. But yet you are in their midst. Then you break into a certain dimension. Oh, Isaiah, when they went to the house of the Lord. And he said, I saw the angels going up and down. He saw the cherubim. And when he saw the cherubim, he bowed it down. Worship is not a showmanship. Worship is a heart that is surrendered to God. And when you begin to worship, it, it humbles you. It makes you bow down and say, am I with it? Amen. Amen. Are you still with me? Amen. Now, Brother Bram says regarding Imram in the message, lifting him out of history. He says, and we can see Imram on those weary nights, back bleeding, climbing up the steps again until two o'clock or three o'clock in the morning, praying. And seemed like he was just talking to the wind. Down in his Jewish heart, there burned a faith that no winds of doubt could ever blow out. That's the kind of men and women we need to rise on the scene today. If he doesn't answer tonight, he will answer tomorrow. If he doesn't answer this year, he will answer next year. For he is God, not a God, but the God. Hallelujah. But I must say, that's the kind of people that we need to today. The people that say he did not answer today, but tomorrow he will answer. He did not answer tomorrow, next week he will answer. He did not answer next next month he will answer. He will not answer, he will answer next year. But the people that have got an unwavering confidence in the Almighty God, knowing that is not a God, but it is the God, which means he keeps all his promises. Jacob and Imran were such a people. And I said, God, give us more couples like this. Give us more couples that will not go down to sleep. They will have a burden on their heart. They will pray. Hallelujah. People, prayer brings you together as families. Prayer brings you together as a church. I hope you're with me. He says that we see him night after night. Brothers, after, after waking as a slave the whole day. Not just waking, but being whipped on your back. But in the evening, he, he prayed. I need to bring it in the end time. As much as they had Pharaoh, we have Pharaoh. Amen. Petrol, I mean, the petrol is expensive, folks. Somebody says it's so expensive, you will think that you are buying it from Woolworths. <laughs> the standard of living is going hard. Your salary is shrinking day by day compared to what is your financial obligation. And some of you realize that if I don't make a plan of getting a second job or doing some business, I'm not going to survive. What is happening? Do you think that this escalating standard of living, it is just an economy playing some trick on us? No, there is a devil, there is a pharaoh behind it, engineered it. To make you work more. This morning you will allow me to preach. This morning I am going to preach. These people, they were whipped. But in the evening with blood oozing out of his body. He would look at the wife and say, honey, I need to go up there. 
and pray until 3 o'clock in the morning and wake up and go to work. Folks, we are looking for people that will not slumber, especially in this closing hour. Yes, you still have your obligation. You still need to go and give Caesar what belongs to Caesar. You still need to go and make and provide for your family. You've got to work. But you say, in this, let my relationship with God be not affected in any way. Are we together? Imran and Jacobet were like that. Amen. Amen. Brother says, and we see him night after night as Imran climbed to the stairs, stairs, and Jacobet would come up to him and say, Imran, dear, you have been up here praying all night. Sisters, when was the last time you said to your husband, honey, you have been here praying all night? Is there any sister that would want to be bold and say, my honey did that. <laughs> when was the last time, sister, you caught your husband in prayer and you thought, let me not disturb him. The man is so deep in prayer and you walked away. And waited for him and said, but the food is getting cold. And you put them in microwave. And after a couple of hours, he comes down. Even by just speaking about it, you look surprised. <laughs> the answers are written all over your face. <laughs> then, are you not amazed why the devil is going on the rampage? Because soldiers are sleeping. Soldiers are slumbering. But the enemy is not slumbering. Sisters, today I want to address you. I'm your pastor. I love you. I really love you as your pastor. And I've got to really help you. You're a husband in the end time. There are so many Jezebels that are after your husband. Just for the mere fact that he's sober, he can hold a job or make a good business and wear a nice suit and his feet in perfectly. There are Jezebels. And I'm told some Jezebels, they even go to church to look for your husband. Oh yes, we read about that. I was listening on radio the other time. A girl said, you know, I went to church. There is this guy that I'm looking at in church. He's always with his children and his wife. It irritates me. Jezebel has got no respect for the church goals. Then in this day, when Satan is after your husband, you are able to slumber and not pray for him. Or you think he's with you because he's a good man. Good men live. The men that we have, you remember the other time I said we've got super men. Men that we have. They are there because this message has produced them. Young girls, hear me out. And young boys. Dad could run away. 
like other dead runners. What makes you a dead not to run away and to come to church? Today, men out there deemed going to church to be a sissified activity. They don't want to associate with church, with the Bible, nothing. I heard another man say, going to church for what? As a man singing, I love Jesus, I love Jesus with tears streaming down. Those is for women. But young man, in this day and age, an evil age, he still has able to dust off the Bible and come to church. And disregard what his friends think of him. Disregard what his business associates think of him. And say, I will serve no foreign God. I am going to church. Oh, if I'm a sister married to such a husband, I will consider it to be the grace of God. I will co- he may not be perfect, but I will say, God, even with his imperfection, I consider this night to be a, a product of grace. Are you here, sister? Do you allow me to preach? I see men. I said it on Wednesday. I see men on Wednesday service. Coming alone to church. And I see, these men, they mean business with God. A man is, man is not pretentious. If he doesn't believe in something, he will not do it. A man doesn't just impress easily. No, if, if it's not in him, he will not do it. But you see, men, some of them doing, I mean, Brampayana does two jobs, brother, always get a call out. I see brother what sometimes comes here even in his uniform. I see this man and say on Wednesday, but yet despite their obligation, they've got time for God. And I say, this man, they're not here to impress the pastor. They don't care about the pastor. It's because they have seen something in this message. They deemed it to be the truth. And I say, sisters, we need to support such men. We need to stand by them and say, God, this is our man. We will pray for them. I'm going to preach to you. If you miss church on Wednesday, your husband comes here alone. And you are sitting home watching TV. There's coming a time. If your husband can come to a point and say, this is worthless, I'm done. You are the one that will be coming to church with prayer requests. He's coming to the office. Pastor, you don't know. He impregnated the third one. I'm your pastor. I've got to tell you the truth. I'm here not to be pet on the back. It's not a popularity contest. I'm here to tell you the truth. Certain problems can be avoided before we get to them. But because of our negligence, Amen. Amen. Support this man in their call to come to church. Even children, support your parents. You can sit there and say nothing. If God doesn't preserve mom and dad, there will be a morning where they call you down around the table and say, young girl, young boy, we are here to tell you, mom and dad have decided to separate. Mm. 
and your heart will sink. And you'll be sitting there and say, but this message doesn't have power. The message has yes. power, but it was handled with negligent hands. I love you. I've got to tell you the truth. How many people know the people that have divorced in recent months? What makes you an exception? God. This message. The routines that you made him boring of going to church is what kept this your union, your family together. Amen. Folks, I'm, I'm saying this with a bleeding heart. Amen. Don't take this message for granted. Amen. If there is a church service, you are sitting somewhere, but you are within reach, you can go to church, you are sitting there. It is a blasphemy towards God. Amen. You may say, I have got everything under control. Do not follow. Give it time. Maybe turn around to your neighbor. Wednesday service is important. Maybe turn around and say, see you on Wednesday. Uh, I, I've got to say this, folks. If you don't have a pastor that can tell you, who will tell you? Who will tell you? Uh, are we together? And uh, it's just that uh, me, you, you know, some people say women is like they were designed to take pain. Sisters, God is preventing a lot of headache for you. For these men to put on their shoes, to polish shoes, to put a tie, come to church, sit down and listen to some men behind the pulpit and say amen to that. Don't ever take it for granted. That is the richness of God. God is, is demonstrating a favor upon your life. How many sisters in the building that have got unbelieving husbands? How many have had unbelieving Husbands. You sit down with them. They will share with you the heartache of living with a man that does not believe. You don't know whether he will show up drunk. You don't know whether he will show up with another woman. You don't know whether he will infect with the disease. That uncertainty is traumatic. Mm. I'm saying that. Don't take this message for granted. And God cannot be marked. You reap what you sow. Have you heard me? I hope you will love me. Not that I'm soliciting to be loved. If I'm not loved, it's still fine. But the truth must be told. Amen. Amen. Now, we have to deal with that bone. Now, Brother Brenham says, he says, I was still on this call. He says, and we see him night after night as Imram climbed the steps 
and Jacob would come up to him and say, Imram, dear, you have been up here praying all night. Why don't you just tell some of the boys where you're waking and let them pray a while? Say, well, honey, what if they don't do it? Somebody has got to do it. Somebody has got to pray through. And Imram thought that to be his responsibility. Are we together? And Brother Branham comes, he says, in the message, lifting him up out of history. He says, but today, the people, if they don't get everything they ask for the first time they pray, they seem to think that he's dead. What we need is men and women today of gallant spirit, men and women who are determined to hold on till they see a God that really lives come into action that will not take no for an answer. Amen. They are determined to stay with it. If they are sick and the doctor said they can't get well, yet something within them tells them that they are going to be well and hold on no matter what takes place. Brother Bram said, we need such gallant men. And Imram and Jacob at the way, such people, they looked at the cycle, the slavery cycle, and to them, they thought, listen, we, we have read, we have heard about our God. We have heard how he called our father, Abraham, and changed his name. We have heard about how he gave our father a child in his senior years. And when they were sitting there, but they realized, what good is it to talk about the God of Abraham? What good is it to talk about the God of Jacob? They needed a God that could confront Pharaoh during that time. Brethren, it's good we can talk about the God of William Brennan that spoke the spirits into existence. We can talk about the God of William Brennan that made the cancer to be dissolved. What good is it if it doesn't show up today? Brethren, we are looking for current men and women that can lift him out of history and make him the current God and say there is a current situation that requires a current God. But I'm here to report to you that God is more than able and is more than willing to be a God today as much as he was God today. Hallelujah. You know, Imran was thinking that, listen, things are tough. We are subjected to this inhumane condition, but there's got to be a solution. And I believe to this morning I can announce it to you. The prayer of Imram and Jacob is the very prayer that produced the deliverer. Yeah. Hallelujah. That prayer actually touched the heart of God. Hallelujah. And a child was born. And his name was Moses. And they knew that how he came, it was God's provided way. How, how do I know? They even took a risk. Pharaoh, Pharaoh, and we'll come to the characteristics of Pharaoh. Pharaoh loved to kill things in their infancy. He wanted to kill the, the little ones. And that's what Pharaoh will do. Did you get it? Yes, I, I know what I'm talking about. Amen. Sometimes, the other time, there's a sister that was there, and a couple have seen it many a time. The sister just loved the message. And it was just enjoying to come to the church. All of a sudden, at work, they say, there is a transfer for you. They transferred her to where there is no church. 
She was not a message believer. She just visited church and she loved coming to church. But because Pharaoh realized this, the faith of this woman is growing. Pharaoh loves to kill things on their infancy. Move to the woman away. And we have never heard from that woman ever again. Pharaoh loves to kill things in infancy. While they look promising, he kills them. Hallelujah. Now, they took the child, put the child in a basket, took the basket, put it on Nile River, in a crocodile-infested river, right in the midst of danger. They took the child right to danger because they knew that there is a promise upon the life of the child. And no crocodile could stop that promise from becoming a reality. And the child was there and the basket was taken by the water, by the tide, and as it was taken by the tide, I believe God in the garden in the river Nile, he created an Edenic atmosphere. The crocodile had a revelation that there goes a deliverer. I believe the crocodiles must have saluted Moses and said, he is sent by our creator. No one must touch the child. And he went through the crocodile until he arrived into the palace and was taken by Pharaoh's sister and was raised there as a Pharaoh. But Moses, his nature, he was a Hebrew. He was raised as an Egyptian, but he was a Hebrew. And God does paradoxical things. He orchestrated for Moses' mother to be the one that will become a nurse to Moses and breastfeed Moses and even pay that woman a salary for taking care of her children. And I'm saying today, God can make you an MME to pay your situation. There are some bills that the devil has got to put. Oh, somebody that believes say amen to that. There are some bills that the devil will have to pay. Because God said you created the problem. Satan, you are the one that will foot the bill. Our God is great. And when the child was raised, the mother, the Hebrew told him and said, you are not an Egyptian. You are a Hebrew. Your father and I pray for a deliverer. And God sent a message that you are a deliverer. And Moses in an Egyptian, in a Pharaoh regalia, knew at the back part of his mind that no, I am not an Egyptian. I am a Hebrew. And we know what happened. He found, you know, the activities that he got involved in. He found the two Egyptian and Israelite fighting and they killed the Egyptian. Then later he found the Israelites fighting. He once said, brethren, you cannot fight. They say, you, your matter is all over. You killed an Egyptian and it was a felony. Then Moses took off and ran away. And when he ran away, he went as a 40-year-old man. He ran away and spent 40 years in the wilderness, but at the backside of the desert. 
where there was no showmanship, where no one was there, Moses had a supernatural encounter with God. He saw the tree burning without being consumed. And he stood there and a voice said, you are standing on a holy ground. Take off your shoes. He took off his shoes. And God began to address Moses and say, go down to Pharaoh. And tell Pharaoh, let my people go. It was a, a directive from the Almighty God. I've heard the cries of my people. And now I'm here to respond. And you, Moses, you are an answer to their prayers. And Moses, I'm going to take it even a step further. You ran away from Pharaoh as a, as a fugitive. But you're going back no longer as a fugitive, but as a god over Pharaoh. Yeah. And your brother will be a prophet, and you will be a god. Yeah. And you're not going alone. The angel shall go before thee. Yeah. And Moses began, Brother said he had six excuses. And he looked and said, but I don't have a message. God said, I will give you the message. He said, my speech is not clear. God said, I'm not interested in that. Your mouthpiece shall be a Amen. Excuse after excuse, God said, I'm not having any of them. You are going down there. And he gave him the signs, the two signs. And Moses took off. Eight-year-old man coming. Pharaoh during that time, when we speak about Pharaoh, we are speaking about the monarch. It's like uh, saying Zuelitin. Uh, when this one dies, another one comes up. It's a monarch. And uh, Pharaoh during that time, it, that monarch was the superpower. The battles that they fought against Ethiopia and against, they fought mighty battles. And God is now sending this one man, he says, go and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. On that day, Moses, all he had, it was a robe, white beard and with a staff. And he went down there. And when he got there, and I want to dramatize it a bit, when he got there, he must have found that because he didn't have an appointment. He must have found that there are other people that had appointments or some dignitaries that were there, that were there to meet the monarch of the day. But somewhere God made it possible for Moses to breach the protocol and move in when no one noticed that he moved in. And in no time, Moses was in the presence of Pharaoh. And when he was in the presence of Pharaoh, he ran away from Pharaoh. But I tell you, the very thing that you run away from, once you've got a personal encounter with God, you're not going to run away. You're going to confront it. He stood in the presence of Pharaoh. And Moses was there. No royal regalia. No royal decorum. And he sat there. No greetings, no salutations. He said, I'm I'm here. Pharaoh must have, you know, looked bored and rolled his eyes. And Moses attempted to speak again. Pharaoh said, what is it? Until Moses 
you know, when you are a stammerer, sometimes you, you breathe in and you plan your way. And still they say, let, let, let my people go. Pharaoh must have thought it was a slip of a tongue. And say, which people say the Hebrews? I'm saying about their God to, to tell you, let my people go. Yes. Hallelujah. Amen. Pharaoh realized that, listen, what I have here is a chanter. But he did not know at that point in, or at that point in time, the wheels of prophecy were turning towards the fulfillment. Yes. He did not know that the God of Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac had remembered his promise. And Moses was not just a stammerer, but it was he was the fulfillment of the promise during that time. Amen. Yes, Amen. Amen. And said, but if you refuse, there will be plague after plague. Pharaoh said, no, not in a million chance. Moses came with a staff. And stretched his arms, plague after plague, called to the frogs upon the land, and said, let there be frogs. And frogs were jumping up and down in the palace, in the bedroom of Pharaoh. Frogs all over. When God wants to humble an enemy, he leaves no stone untanked. Pharaoh had to acknowledge that among the Egyptian God, there was no God like the God of Moses. The next day he called Moses and the plague disappeared and he said, let my people go. Pharaoh said, not again. Then he pointed the staff into the river. The waters changed into blood. It was plague after plague. Until Pharaoh, after the tenth plague, where God smote all the Egyptian firstborn. Pharaoh bowed down and said, no wait. Let me release them. Stay with me here. Folks, it was not the exodus of the nation. It was the exodus of families that made up a nation. That means every man in their house, they had to go and check what Moses said and took the blood and put them on the doorpost. Not a prophet, not a pastor, not a deacon. Every man in their household that night, they had to go and apply the token. And as it was, so shall it be. Today, every man has got the responsibility to say, this is my family. I'm not losing any of them. I'm applying the token. Because the promise says, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. What a night. A night of desperation. A night of uncertainty. An unpredictable night. You are sitting there, Brother Daddy, as the man of the house. Your son comes and says, Daddy, are you sure that we have done everything according to the way Moses says we must do? Then you say, Son, I did the best that I could do. Say, but Daddy, if there is one margin of error, I'm gone. And the father wiped the sweat from his brow and said, son, relax. We did exactly everything that Moses said we must do. After 15 minutes, the mother comes. 
says, do you know that's our son? Are you sure that you have heard it correctly? Honey, I did everything. Brother Mose, it was a night of desperation. The angel of death was hovering over the entire place. Looking for where there was no blood. And I want to tell you, in every group there are skeptics. There must have been people that said, what will the people say? Blood on our doorpost. We are not going to do that. A family that is made up of a bunch of vegetarians. Why would we kill a slaughter animal? We are fine. As long as we pray, it's fine. But that night, prayer was not enough. That night, song was not enough. Sermon was not enough. There had to be the application of the blood. Because when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And as it was, so it is. Someone is not enough. Song is not enough. Going to church is not enough. Every man and woman needs to be under the token. And brother, a total obedience to the way entitles you to a token. And brother, any slight error, any any ounce of disrespect for Moses would have resulted in death. They did not have tapes there. But I believe if they had tapes, they would, the son would come and say, Daddy, are you sure? And uh, the father would say, Son, I did everything. But just to make sure one more time, let's put the tape, the token. Let's gather together and listen to what the prophet of God says. And they go way by way, and they do exactly what he says. And the father will say, Now everything is under control. We have listened to the prophet of God. I'm saying today, if you don't have time, time for the table of brother, brother, you're in danger. When you're in danger. When was the last time brother Brennan's voice began to preach in your house? Praise the Lord. Come on, believers. You allow me to preach. I will preach here this morning. Hallelujah. There is euphoria. Some believers even miss church because Brazil is playing with whatever Russia. Oh, I'm gonna make some people are uncomfortable. Welcome. You are, you know which team played what, but you don't know quotations. You don't pray. You don't listen. You don't read the Bible, but you are welcome. I don't think that the rapture will find you watching welcome. Yeah. Oh. I just made that house tabernacle uncomfortable, but it is by desire. I want to thank you a little bit. Are you here? We cannot play church anymore. Pharaoh is more dangerous than the Pharaoh of that time. But I'm saying to Pharaoh of the time, we are living. Not only us as men, we are taking our wives. Not only our wives, we are taking our children. Not only our children, we are taking our enemies. We are moving out. Are you here, people? Yes, sir. We cannot be in Egypt anymore. We have seen the prophet. We have seen the pillar of fire. We 
victory is going to leave you. He lies coming after you immediately after victory. Well, they have gone out in their numbers with their animals singing jubilant songs. Pharaoh had a change of heart and called 600 chariots the best chariots that he used whenever he went to fight against another military nation. But this time, it was not him fighting another nation. It was him fighting a bunch of disarmed slaves. Six hundred chiros came out. And while they were out there in the wilderness, they could hear the sound on the ground of chiros coming in numbers. There was hysteria. Women started crying. Blame game started going. You know, every time in a group of people, there are always people that are waiting for something to go wrong to say, we, we knew it. <laughs> oh, yes. He beat at a wedding. There is just another relative. He just said, I knew it. 
if he knew it, why did you know you prevent it? <laughs> Always. It's like that. On a bus somewhere, the bus breaks down. I knew it. Why are you on the bus? Dathan and Korah were there, rose, and went to Moses and said, Did you want us to die in the wilderness? We could have died in Egypt. There are graves there. I wish I was there. I could have asked Dathan and Korah, But what are you doing here? You still have a chance. You can go back. <laughs> Moses was there. Children were coming. Children were coming. Moses looked at the Red Sea. Looked at the army that was coming. Besieged by two problems. And he stood there. He looked up to God. But God was looking down on him. The answer was not there, the answer was down there. He cried. God looked at Moses. Why? Why would Moses cry? I told him that he would be God. Take this. The enemy is coming. In front there is water. Symbolizing baptism. They went into the Red Sea. Moses pointed to the staff, to the water. The water separated. They walked on the dry ground. And they got on the other side. They went through the Red Sea as slaves and came on the other side as sons and daughters. The Red Sea was the status change for them. It was baptism. Amen. And after they were on the other side, Pharaoh came and he wanted, he wanted to benefit from the same blessing. But the blessing, what is a blessing to you? Is a curse to the day. And when he got in there, then the waters came and they died, many of them. And from that time, Pharaoh knew there is no God like the God of Moses. This morning, I don't know who's your Pharaoh. Your Pharaoh could be an addiction, could be, could be lust, could be adultery, could be a lot of things. Could even be an evil boss at your work. A guy that just torments you and makes your life miserable. Oh, sometimes a pharaoh could even be your marriage partner. Amen. Oh, yes. Amen. But I'm saying today, as much as Moses went before Pharaoh and said, let my people go, this morning, under the authority of the word of God, we don't care how long you've been held up by that problem. We don't care how long you've held up by that situation. I don't care how long that demon has held you. I don't care how long it has been. For those, it was 400 years. But today, we are again making a declaration, a directive. Pharaoh, let my people go. Folks, I don't care how long you've been in that condition. It will never change the fact that you're a son and a daughter of God. But let me tell you something. You, you, you've got to be uncomfortable. You've got to be kicking and say, I want to get out of this. Amen. If you are relaxed and you feel 
uncomfortable, you will die in that situation. Yeah. But this morning he said, I don't care. I don't care how long I've been the, in this situation, but today I'm getting out. Amen. Today in this service, right now, I'm getting out. Amen. Do you hear me? Yeah. It must be you saying, I'm tired. Yeah. Because they cry. And God had their cry. Yeah. And this morning, somebody must be crying. Yeah. And somebody has been so long. Yeah. This situation, even some people do not even know about it. Yeah. My parents yeah. don't know about it. My pastor, no one knows about it. But right there, you can say today, I'm getting out. You can begin to look Pharaoh in the eye and say, as it was, so it is. The same pillar of fire that was there has returned today. The same cloud that was there has returned today. The same prophet that was there, we have the same prophet today. All the conditions are similar. But God is looking for a determination. God is looking for a person with some sense of resolute. Say, I'm tired of this situation. And when you are tired of situation, you've got to be angry a bit. Oh, yes. He said the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. You've got to be a violent sometime. Am I talking to mothers here? And say, this is my daughter. Nine months she was in my womb. I gave birth to her. The devil, you cannot. You cannot. This is my son. This is my son. I fathered my son. Satan, you are not going to make my son a playground. He cannot be subjected to drugs when I'm a son of God. People, this Pharaoh, if that Pharaoh bowed down, every little Pharaoh this morning in this building must bow down. But I need an angry chat. I need an angry chat. And Tyler says, no way. No way. No way. Satan, no way. Brother, you there? You remember the time you used to have a revival? The time unbelievers used to respect you. They respected your testimony, but you have sung so low until you play become the devil's playground. But in this service, in this service, the call of Moses is in this service to break every chain. I need you to be here. Some people are looking at me. I'm talking to you. It may be Pharaoh making you sit like that and suffer there. But today, we want to break every chain. Today, we want to address every situation. I said the God of Moses is here. The God of Moses is here. Greater than Pharaoh is here. Greater than the monarch is here. what the devil did. Remember what he stole. The joy in your family. Your health. Your sense of direction. Your stability. Look at what you have lost. And then you'll begin 
willing to say, oh God, I'm not a man that I used to be. I'm not a woman that I used to be. But today, I'm returning back to who I used to be. And no Pharaoh, no demon, no principality, no power is going to hold me by the name of Jesus Christ. I'm rising, going back. People, are you here? Are you here? Every Pharaoh must bow down. Every Pharaoh must bow down. And you must look your Pharaoh in the eye and say, Pharaoh, let my people go. And I am that person. I need somebody who is angry. I need somebody who is very angry. And look and say, things are not right. Things are, sisters, are you here? Satan has made your house a break, a break, bed and breakfast area. Tell him the book is full of books. It's full of books. The angels are here. We don't want you Satan anymore. Are there any women in the building? Are there any women in the building? Say, tell him. Folks, do you know what I'm talking about? How much is Satan destroyed? Some are here. It, it could be financial issues. Finances are not going right. It's your fear. You start this business, it collapses. You start that money, it collapses. That's your fear. The marriage is hit one moment, one moment, is things are haywire. Children seems to be passing in school, they go haywire. Your husband seems to be understanding, he becomes a monster. Everyone knows their fears. You know the DNA of your fear. And you wake up in the middle of the night and say things don't work out. We are looking for gallant men and women. That will take no for an that will not take no for an answer. That will say God promised it. It is mine. I'm going after it. People that are full of holy indignation. Yes, sir. You, you know, you know, when you know that you're a son of a king, and later you find yourself as a beggar, and you remember your identity, you've got to get in. There are times where you look at other beggars and you say, only they know who I am. And one morning they just see you waking up and say, me, I don't eat brown bread. I eat only white bread. Come on now, you're a beggar. Say, I'm not a beggar. You don't know where I come from. My God is there. This morning we are not beggars. We are not beggars, folks. Identity position yeah. brings into a position of possession. Church. William Brennan came 1947 until 1965. He said of all the visions that I've ever seen, none of them ever failed. <laughs> service after service says, I take every spirit here under my control. <laughs> Now, six years later, do you think we are now powerless? Because it's buried somewhere in Indiana, Jeffersonville. Where is that angel that used to come in the meeting? Because we never had a funeral for him. 
Yes, we had a funeral for William Brennan, but that angel, we never had a funeral for him. Where's that? And I say, God, let that angel come. Let it fill up this place. Because an angel will go before Moses. There's got to be an angel before Pharaoh comes under subjection. And I'm saying, things are late. The messenger is there. The pillar of fire is there. The cloud is there. You are there to be exodized. Therefore, the angel must be someone. And I like to believe the same angel is here. In the building right now. I'm not, I believe that. That same angel is here. And we are coming out of this service as different people. Oh, things are going to straighten out. An army is going to rise from here. Men and women that are determined. Ram said, when the Jubilee trumpet sounded and you were busy with your home, he says, right there, you didn't ask for permission. You just dropped it and raised your hand. I'm free! And the master looks at you and says, but I have a trumpet. I'm free! We are sounding a Jubilee trumpet. I don't care how long you have suffered. Young girl, young boy, I don't care how long you have suffered. The trumpet Jubilee is blowing. It's time you drop the shoes of the enemy and say, I'm free! To me, as the angel of this church, as the angel behind the pulpit, I declare every situation conquered. I declare, I declare every disease healed. I declare every man forgiven. Hallelujah. I declare every man and woman forgiven. And I declare the devil defeated.
is the salvation of your, your children. I declare your children, they are coming back. I declare they are coming back. I'm going to start a church of the word of God. Hallelujah. Any situation that you thought is impossible, right now, we have broken into a supernatural channel. Heaven is open. And the blessings of God are coming down to address every situation in the building right now. Let my people go. Let my people go. Second, stay away. Give way. Give way. Hallelujah. You are free. You are free. You are free. We are done with Egypt. We are done with faith. He has drowned behind you. March forward. March forward. Keep on going forward, brother. Keep on going forward, sister. Everything is in its position. God has remembered your Christ. Anyone that has got a drug problem in the building, we are declaring that drug problem is But you've got to delete the number of the drug lord. Amen. Amen. And block it. Amen. You are free. Amen. That angel that was with William Brandon is in this house. Anything that is lost to be found. Amen.
I want to pray for you. I'll pray you repeat after me. Take your alphabet 
prayers, you repeat after me, you believe what we say, God will honor our request. This prayer is open for everyone. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we need thee. As the Israelites needed thee, you provided a prophet. Vindicated him with the pillar of fire. Allowed him to confront Pharaoh. And said, let my people go. And your people were set free. But today, we don't believe you to be a historical God. By faith, we lift you out of history. Because we need you as the God of now. We've got situations. We've got conditions. We've got challenges that are of today. They need the God of today. And we believe that you are the God of today. The Holy Bible says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. We believe that. We believe you are here. Address every situation. Address every condition. Address every sickness. If there is anyone bound, we as the church, we are looking Pharaoh in the eye. And we say, Pharaoh, let our people go. Let our children go. Let our men go. Let our women go. Let our children go. We don't ask. We, we direct you. We command you. And under the authority of the word of God, we declare every problem resolved. We declare every sickness healed. We declare every lost thing restored. Because you are a restorer. God, you made a promise that whatever we bind here shall be bound in heaven. Whatever we set free here shall be set free in heaven. And you are not a liar. You keep your way. And at this point in time, we bound every demonic power in the name of Jesus Christ. And we believe heaven will sanction that. And at this point in time, we commit ourselves. We sanctify ourselves. If there are any issues in our lives, forgive us, dear God. We need your mercy. You are a gracious God. Forgive us. We did not mean to be wrong. We have been misled by the enemy. But now we are coming back. We are determined. We will serve no Pharaoh. 
We will worship the God of Moses. We will worship the God of William Brennan. We will not be ashamed of this message. Help us, dear God, and be with us. Protect our jobs. Protect our houses. Protect our marriages. Protect our children. Protect our health. We commit our being to you. All of these things, we commit them to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. I'm free. I'm free. Yes, I'm free at last. Turn around and say to your neighbor. No need to serve Pharaoh anymore. We are free for We are free. We are free. We are free. I'm free. It's time. When you're free, you praise God. Don't worry about the truth. Just break to Satan. I'm free. I'm done with your nonsense. the sun rising. They screamed at the top and said, I'm free. 
and that sound reverberated down to those who were on the bottom without them seeing the sound. They knew that those that are at the top, if they say they are free, we are free. And when you say I'm free, somebody that may not understand that there is a possibility, they can say I'm free as well. And I want to say we are free. God bless you richly. Have a blessed week. Let it be a victorious week. And up front, any Pharaoh that rocks up in your way, in the name of Jesus Christ, through this service, I bind him. I bind him. You believe that? I bind him. Amen. God bless you. When I remember what the Lord has done, I will never go back. How many gallant men and women say, oh, on No, 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 no. Amen. We are happy as onward Christian soldiers. God bless you richly. If I somewhat stepped on your toes, just say, He's a pastor, He loves me. Amen. God bless you richly. I actually want, when they say is the way I want to make it critical, Malaka is me. Minister of Transport. We need Maybe we need to have an offering, secret that can go to the trustees, that we can give them money, contribution, and say this money it is for a common transport, a taxi that will come here only after the with the service to take you straight home on your door. We just went about coming. Hallelujah. We've got business people here. Hallelujah. Pastor Chitini told me that if God makes one person a millionaire, you must just rejoice and say, We are all millionaires. Hallelujah. You heard, I'm free. Then the others on the bottom, they say, We are free. Are we together? All these blessings is our blessings. But let's, let's make sure that they work towards the kingdom of God. If you have 10 rand extra, don't give it to McDonald's. Take it to the trustees and say, trustees, for that common transport. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's make it possible for the children of God. Is it possible to get a text? All right. I think my team by now knows me. You know, when you've got a pastor, you know his weakness. He just plans right behind the pulpit. I don't know by the time I become old, how things are going to be. Hallelujah. But, but I'm just saying the demonstration of how serious we are. Folks, if you do that, how God will bless you, it will be mind-boggling. There are so many blessings that are yet to be unlocked. But it means God wants to test your discipline. Your commitment, then he can trust you with power. Because power without character is satanic. So God has got to give you character. And character is not a gift, it's victory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm saying I know the others are out of town. If you are out of town, wherever you are, listen to the tape. Wednesday time is the time to listen to the tape. And I think we need to resuscitate our streaming. We, we've got a streaming which is cheaper here. We've been doing it. It's about time the technical team stream. The likes of Brazil, you can stream. Are uh, uh, we together? So that 
we, we are on track. We move in formation. Because I believe God is taking the church into another realm. Into, into another zone. But it needs us to rally around. And, and let's not be distracted. If you got caught up in nonsense, rise above that nonsense. Let's move forward. Let's forget. Let's move forward. Are we together? Then you will say, you people, if you can be so united, what God will do with you here in Weedbank, you can rewrite the book of Acts. But God is looking for somebody that says, who? If you say, well, who can I send? I just said, here I am. God is looking for a man or a woman that can say, Lord, am I available? This task, whatever you need, am I available? God bless you richly. Have a blessed week of what remains. Don't worry about the economy. Even if uh, petrol can be 100 rand a liter, we're going to afford it. We're going to afford it. We are not controlled by the economy. We come from above. We depend on the power from above. On those ways, have a blessed and a victorious week. I love you. God bless you. God bless the heavens of agree that I shall prosper. Prosper, Salwani. Oh,